Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This is episode number 38 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your snack-loving host, Leroy Luna, coming at you straight out of my closet with a couple stories where the simple act of eating a little food resulted in some big trouble. Can you believe that? Unreal. And these sticky situations the innocent parties found themselves in could have happened to anybody. That's the scary part. Before we get into today's action, though, I want to give a shout-out to Hal Hayes, my man over in Mobile, Alabama. Hal listened to episode 37, The Sneaky Shopper, where I shitted out that scumbag Weston Wiley's terrible pressure-washing business. Hal sent me a couple photos saying, this is what a real roof restoration looks like. After checking out the pics, I gotta say, I was impressed. His company's called Ultra Wash. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can use my guy if you're in the area. Any of you fellow Mobilians out there. Anyways, he guarantees to make your home feel new again. He does fences, sidewalks, driveways, and will bring your home exterior surfaces back to life. And ladies, I'm sure he'll clean your gutters for you if you ask him nicely. Meow. Inappropriate. I know that sounded a lot like an ad, even though it wasn't. Hey, I just felt the need to shout out a legit business for a change, since I'm so quick to talk about the shitty ones. Joke time, everybody. I got one here that made me laugh that I found on jokesoftheday.com. So here goes. All right, a blind man walks into a restaurant and the owner asks, Would you like a menu, sir? The blind dude goes, Nah, I'm blind. Just bring me one of your dirty forks. I'll smell it, then order. The confused owner shrugs and walks back to the kitchen to retrieve a fork and gives it to the blind dude. He takes a deep breath, smells it, and says, Yeah, I'll have the lamb with seasoned potatoes and spring vegetables. The owner was shocked. Unbelievable, he says. 
The blind man ate and left. But sure enough, he showed up again two weeks later. The owner, wanting to see just how good his sense of smell really is, quickly goes to the kitchen where his wife Brenda was cooking and says, Hey, do me a favor <laughs> and wipe this fork all over your snatch, would you? She doesn't even question him. Just rubs that fork all over her vag. Good thing there wasn't a health inspector there. The owner then takes back the fork and gives it to the blind dude. The blind dude takes it, puts it to his schnoz, and gives it a big whiff and says, Oh, cool. I didn't know Brenda worked here. You know what that sound means. Everybody hop in and let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. I promise to get you back home in time for the early bird special. Episode number 38, Say No to Snacks? As I mentioned earlier, Illegalites, we'll be talking about a couple times where chowing down on some delicious food got some good folks in trouble. I know my big bro has an example of a time his sweet tooth got him in a pickle. So heck, let's check in with the man himself, Mr. Jack Luna, to find out more. Hi, my name's Jack Luna. I'm Leroy's brother, and he asked me to tell about a completely bonkers heist. I performed back in the 80s. If there's any children in the room, you may want to remove them. Uh, we don't want the youth getting any ideas here. So, if you don't know, Bonkers was a chewy fruit candy, kind of popular for a second back in the mid-80s, that these days can only be found in novelty shops. It went into business almost immediately after a low-stakes robbery I performed over the course of a week when I was nine years old filling my backpack with grape-flavored Bonkers candy until they ran out of stock. I was so hooked on Bonkers that when my mom discovered all of the candy in my backpack, I made up a lie on the spot in order to be able to keep my stash. I first claimed that my friend Max's dad was a higher-up at the Bonkers factory and had given me some grapes knowing they were my flavor. This, of course, made no sense, as there was no local Bonkers manufacturer. I was trapped in a lie, so when our mom suggested that I may have stolen Leroy's birthday money to buy the bonkers, I admitted to this lesser charge. I can't recall if Leroy was then given the haul or if they were confiscated, but I do know that bonkers went under soon after, and I have to think that the loss that they took in this heist may have been more than they could recover from. Anyways, tough to talk about, but it's not just between God and I anymore, this bonkers caper and it just felt right to share if i didn't share those great box with you leroy i'm sorry hopefully sharing the story free of charge in your podcast makes up for it a little bit no it doesn't but thanks for sharing jack i know that was difficult for you <laughs> i remember grape and orange were my favorites can't confirm or deny if i was given those delicious chewy fruit snacks as i was just a small child and i don't remember for myself, and I'm sure many others out there, the 80s were a blur, man. 
And for the record, Max's dad wasn't a big wig at the Bonkers headquarters, unfortunately. But he was an airplane mechanic, which is nothing to be ashamed of. Just doesn't come with the obvious perks that would go along with being the CEO of Bonkers. At any rate, Jack's love of candy and sticky fingers only got him in minor trouble. Because, well, he was a minor. Let's see what type of trouble the adults, the poor suckers in today's stories, find themselves in. Okay, our first story takes us to Coney Island, baby. According to our trusty friends at Google, Coney Island is a residential Brooklyn neighborhood that morphs into a relaxation and entertainment destination each summer. Locals and tourists crowd its beach, the Wonder Wheel, and Luna Park, an amusement park featuring the famed Cyclone Roller Coaster. Street performers, the Circus Sideshow, and the Mermaid Parade in June Lennon eccentric vibe, and Nathan's Famous is known for its July 4th hot dog eating contest. Shout out to my boy Joey Chestnut. That guy really knows his way around a wiener. Anyways, Coney Island seems like a very cool place, at least in the summer. Would love to visit sometime. So we have a couple Brooklyn natives, 23-year-old Omar Ferreira and 26-year-old Love, ooh, I'm going to butcher his last name here, Ola Tunayoyo. Nailed it. Well, they find themselves at the It's Sugar Candy Emporium, located at 1232 Surf Avenue. It's a colorful retail chain offering classic and oversized candy, plus apparel, accessories, and novelty gifts. A trendy candy shop, if there ever was one. And I'm sorry, we always gotta do this. Let's check out a couple Google reviews of the very colorful It's Sugar Candy Emporium. Overall, 4.4 out of 5 star rating from 904 reviews. Here we go. MT gives this three-star review. Quote, Lots of the candy is overpriced, but there's nowhere else I'd know where I could get a candy bra, a four-pound gummy bear, or Bob Ross branded mints. Though I'd highly suggest against buying things like Swedish Fish or Sour Patch Kits, as the store overpriced them heavily, their unique items are worth checking out. Location is a bit off from the boardwalk as well, but if you're passing by, still worth looking at. End quote. I mean, I've heard of edible underwear, but a candy bra? Yeah, baby. That's wacky. Hmm, I wonder if they have any other interesting items. Let's check in with Andrea T. and her three-star review to find out. Oh, that's weird. Two three-star reviews in a row. Alright, quote. So much candy. Definitely good if you have a sweet tooth. A little expensive, but they have candy-coated crickets, ants, and other exotic candies. Plus the biggest Rice Krispie treat you've ever seen. End quote. Candy-coated ants. Who buys this shit? I could lick a sucker and roll it around on an anthill in my yard if I wanted to. Does that make it exotic? Anywho, we get it. A fun novelty shop. It's got some interesting items, but basic candies are overpriced. Our guys Omar and Love pick up a few items, among them being some likely overpriced Jolly Rancher candies. It's a hot summer day in June of 2013, and our guys meet up with their buddy, 27-year-old Jimmy Sano, and his 3-year-old daughter, just a few blocks away. They're all just chilling out when suddenly the cops swoop in and put Omar in love in cuffs. According to court papers, officers Jermaine Taylor and Giovanni Calderon were acting on a tip from an undercover officer who claimed to have seen the gentleman selling drugs. 
The men and their vehicle were searched extensively, with the officers claiming it would only be a matter of time before they found something. And indeed they did. The individually wrapped Jolly Rancher candies. Court documents say the officers then performed a field test on the candies and boom, got them. The test results came back positive for a controlled substance. And just like that, the two men were arrested for drug possession. Jimmy Sano was outraged at these false accusations. He knew his buddies were innocent, so when he argued and pleaded with police, he was charged with obstructing government administration. He was taken in aggressively and allegedly punched in the face by an unidentified officer while being taken into custody. The men spent about 24 hours in jail before they were released on their own recognizance. The Jolly Rancher candies were taken to an NYPD lab for more tests and analysis. I love how scientific they get with it. They tested two red crystalline rocks of solid material and four blue crystalline rocks of solid material. Two days later, the results were in. And what do you know? They turned out to be exactly what they looked like. Jolly Rancher candies and not street drugs. It took a couple months, but eventually all charges were dropped against the men. But that wasn't the end of it. They filed a lawsuit against the NYPD for their troubles, and they had a rock-solid case. Their lawyer, I like his style, he's a pit bull named Kenneth Smith, and he said, quote, To my knowledge, there is no evidence in the scientific literature that crystal meth looks like Jolly Ranchers or rock candy, other than from the Breaking Bad TV show. Walter White may dictate what drugs look like in TV land, but not the narcotics policy of the NYPD, end quote. This incident happened in June of 2013, and Breaking Bad ended in September of that year, so likely the show was on the cops' minds, even if they didn't want to admit it. What Smith said isn't necessarily true, though, at least not in drug operations at higher levels. Mike Levine, a former U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration agent, was interviewed and he said, quote, Crystal meth is produced in all kinds of colors. There's a type that's going around that looks like strawberry Pop Rocks candy. Dope dealers will disguise their product in any way you can imagine. End quote. But this would be done in mass quantities, you would think. It wouldn't just be a couple packs sitting in the back of a vehicle amongst other candies. Kenneth Smith said after his lawsuit was filed, something interesting happened. He was told that the cops denied ever telling the DA that they even performed the initial field drug test in the first place. So yeah, some shady shit going on with our boys and girls in blue. In the end... Our guys Omar, Love, and Jimmy won their lawsuit and were paid out 33,000 big ones by the city. Disappointingly, yet not surprisingly, the city wouldn't admit that the police did anything wrong, claiming they couldn't be sure if the red and blue crystalline rocks of solid material were drugs or candy. Unbelievable. Love and Omar, the two men who were initially arrested, received $4,000 each, while Jimmy Sano pulled in a cool 25 Gs. Seems unfair. Love and Omar received less, sadly, because they had outstanding bench warrants against them for non-drug-related offenses. That's too bad. They probably didn't get much after lawyer fees and all that. But at least all the charges were dropped. They won their case, and that's the important part. So there you have it. We see that even a wholesome trip to a candy shop can result in an arrest, especially if police have their sights set on you. They likely got some bad info from the undercover officer and decided to be stubborn and pursue these guys even though they had nothing on them. Maybe it was a case of mistaken identity, or who knows? Maybe there wasn't an undercover officer to begin with. If they were willing to lie about performing the field test on the Jolly Ranchers, then how are we supposed to believe anything else? All credibility from the officers in this case 
went right out the window. Okay, now let us move on from this story about a sweet snack to another injustice involving a less appetizing food in my humble opinion. This case is just as methy as the first one, and no, I haven't suddenly developed a lisp. Let's put the minivan in cruise control as we head on over to Gainesville. No, not that Gainesville. Let's leave Florida out of this one for a change. Instead, let's go to Gainesville, Georgia, a city with a population of approximately 43,000, according to a 2019 study. An interesting fact about Gainesville, because of its large number of poultry processing plants, it is often called the poultry capital of the world. That's according to Wikipedia and involves zero fact-checking on my part, but sounds legit. Who would make that claim up? It's also important to note that wrestling legend Jake the Snake Roberts was born in Gainesville. Gainesville, Texas, so completely irrelevant, but he's one of my favorite wrestlers, so I thought it was worth mentioning. Deal with it. Okay, now that you have your fill of absolutely useless and questionable Gainesville, Georgia knowledge, let's travel back to July 2nd of 2014. We join 23-year-old redhead Ashley Gabrielle Huff. She's the passenger in a vehicle that is pulled over by police on a routine traffic stop. But what happened next was anything but routine. Poor Ashley, who by the way had no criminal record at all up to this point, was charged with possession of methamphetamine and hauled into Hall County Jail. She couldn't believe it. This was all a crazy misunderstanding. Let's hear what Hall County Assistant Public Defender Chris Van Rossum had to say about Ashley's predicament. Quote, From what I understand, she was a passenger in a car and had a spoon on her, near her, and I guess the officer, for whatever reason, thought there was some residue. I think she said it had been SpaghettiOs. End quote. Yeah, that's right, SpaghettiOs. Police didn't believe her, but apparently the only thing Ashley was guilty of was her love of the not-so-nutritious and not-so-delicious food. Ugh, alfagetti, ravioli, all that stuff is kind of gross to me. I remember a few years ago, there was this very hefty new guy at my work. He was 18, fresh out of high school, in terrible shape, and only lasted a month, but I'll never forget him. He would always sit on the couch they had near the front of the building. Nobody ever sat on that couch. It was kind of just there for decoration. But he plopped down on that thing every day to eat his lunch. There was a microwave near the entrance too, but he never used it. He always had a can opener, a spoon and a can of whatever the heck he brought from home that particular day, and he'd chow down on ravioli, beef stew, alfagetti, all that nasty stuff, and he'd eat it right out of the can at room temperature. It's like a train wreck. I'd do my best to look away, but I'd always end up taking a glimpse of the action. The day before he was fired for poor performance, I walked by him at lunchtime, and we made eye contact as he took in a large spoonful of room temperature New England clam chowder. Ugh. There was all this white, creamy sauce in his beard. <laughs> I gagged just thinking about it. Poor performance indeed. Not only could he not do the job right, he failed at eating lunch as well. What a guy. Back to Ashley. She kept denying the fact that it was meth on that spoon. It was spaghetti sauce, damn it. The thing I don't get is these cops always assume the worst. Why not just sniff the damn spoon? They needed that blind guy from the restaurant in there. <laughs> he would have told them what was up. Chris Van Rossum, public defender, quote, She's maintained all along that there's no way in hell that it was any sort of drug residue or anything like that, end quote. Ashley had to spend a couple nights in jail and was also ordered to get drug counseling as part of her arraignment. She was arrested again later after missing some of her sessions. She went back to jail on August 2nd. She wasn't able to make her bond payment, which is terrible. 
because she didn't have any money, Ashley had to stay in jail until September 18th when she was finally released. So that's like another six weeks there. Northeastern Judicial Circuit... (laughs) Holy shit. Hold on. Northeastern Judicial Circuit District Attorney Lee Dara signaled a dismissal saying, quote, The crime lab report showed no controlled substances on the spoon submitted for testing. End quote. Yeah, you think? Ashley never ended up filing charges against police or anything. She just kind of accepted it. I think she could have got something, the poor girl. I guess she just wanted it to all be over and done with. Sure, she didn't attend all her drug counseling sessions, but that's understandable since she didn't have a drug problem in the first place. Sheesh. Final court-appointed public defender Chris Van Rossum quote. I feel like everyone has these big titles. (laughs) That's my own fault. Quote, I think that the unfortunate part about her case is that she was probably willing to take the felony to close out her case so that she could get out of jail, even though she has always maintained innocence. End quote. Thankfully, all charges were dropped and Ashley Huff went back to her regular life. I feel bad for her. Seems like a pleasant enough woman. She even looked happy in her mugshot. With her love for low-class food like SpaghettiOs, perhaps she was smiling because she couldn't wait to chow down on all that delicious prison grub. I know these were a couple of short stories, but I felt like they were definitely worth looking into. Ashley's especially. She had no criminal record to speak of and spent six weeks in jail for having an old spoon with dried spaghetti sauce on it. It's crazy. The packaged Jolly Ranchers were pretty ridiculous too. I like to say these are cautionary tales, but the accused in these cases, they didn't do anything wrong. So I'm not sure how any of this could have been avoided. Don't eat food? Don't get pulled over maybe? There you go. Hey, one positive thing we can gather from this is, at least we know the cops are taking things seriously out there. The war on drugs is real. And we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 38. Say no to snacks? Let's dedicate these stories to all the wrongfully accused people out there, past and present. Keep fighting that good fight. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing that sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. All right, take care, guys. I'll be back in 10 days with more... Oh, oh, wait a minute. I knew I was forgetting something. Let's get criminal, criminal. I want to get criminal. I have another story for you. It is a little long, so I totally understand if you want to skip this one. I will still love your podcast. You are getting better and better. Not that I know all of the podcasts, but I do listen to some of them. And yours is very entertaining and original. And I thank you for it. Also, sorry about my grammar or wrong punctuation. I am from Mississippi. On to the story. I worked in a chicken plant in the early 2000s. Very gross, very smelly. I barfed daily, but they prayed pretty decent. One of my sisters was going through a really rough time. We have different mothers, and her mother was involved in a cult. And sure enough, she took her kids with her. It was a cult. Seriously, a cult. The leader was a friend of Jim Jones. Jim Jones ended himself, but this one just went to jail for child molesting and tax evasion. Guess which one he got the most time for? But that is another kind of story for a different kind of podcast. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Anyway, she managed to escape, but her husband was the cult leader's son. 
He was a dumb asshole and did nothing for his family. Four kids my sister birthed at home. I got my sister a job at the chicken plant. She was struggling bad and I tried to help her out. But I also had a family and could only do so much. We were brainstorming on our lunch break one day and she told me that she did not have any food at home. I told her she could get her kids and come to my house for dinner and I would send some stuff home for breakfast. She went to talking that I had helped her enough that my husband was going to start getting wary of them, etc. She did not want to cause any friction between my and my husband. Yada, yada, yada. She then asked if I knew anyone at the plant had stolen any of the chicken. I told her I had heard of some rumors, but had never actually talked to anyone that admitted that they did. Though you know they do, because they have a security guard placed at the door, where we exit, not where we enter. People steal for no reason at all. She said, true. But what if I stole to feed my kids? I sat and thought about it for a bit. Then I told her, I do not think you should do it. I will. She again went to talking to me. I got her calmed down again and explained to her, if she gets fired, lots of people will go hungry. If I get fired, no one goes hungry because I have a husband that works. After a bit, I got her to agree to it. The end of our shift rolls around. I have thought through the best ways to get the chicken. Hide it in my pants? Or I have a pretty large chest, and I thought I could probably get two chickens in there without any strange looks. But how can I do either without just doing it right on the line in front of everyone? I finally realized that the bins, where we get the loads of chicken so we can process it, in other words, cut off the most of the fat, the tendons, the cartilage, is right by the bathroom door. I tell my line supervisor that I need a quick trip to the potty. I try to casually pass by the bin, go in the bathroom to check, and shockingly, there is no one in it. I come back out quietly. I think I don't really know because it is so loud on the floor. Go back in the bin, grab three chickens, and go back in the bathroom. I stuff one chicken in the front of my pants, one in the back of my pants, and the third down my shirt. Luckily, I had on a sports bra that day, so I already looked like I had a big one-two booby, so you could not tell where the chicken started and what were my boobs. Thankfully, I had on dark clothes that day. I take one final look in the mirror and walk out the back door. Five minutes, four minutes, I'm sweating bullets. I'm surprised the chickens did not just slide out. I tried to look normal, but sometimes that makes you look even more shady. Luckily, the shift bell rings. I put my stuff in the sterilization bucket and leave the floor. As I'm walking to the door, I see the security guard that is normally napping and never bothers us as long as we don't bother her. She's randomly frisking people leaving. My sister walks up behind me and whispers, Please, please tell me you did not do it. I just whisper, Relax, I have a plan. She just looks terrified. Of course, I am picked for a frisk. She starts at my ankles and I start making this slight moan. The higher she gets up my leg, louder I get. When she gets a little further up my leg, I moan, Oh God, yes! The look of disgust and horror on this lady's face was so wonderful. I almost cracked a rib trying to hold back my laughter. She briskly tells me, you can go. Looks at my sister and says, you too. No way am I going to touch either of you again. I tell her, I am sorry. I sometimes enjoy the touch of another woman. She just stands there stone-faced. She never frisked me or my sister again. She, she ate so much chicken that year that it took her a while to ever want it again. I am not saying we stole just to steal and that I did not feel guilty about it, but I did sleep better knowing my sister's kids and my sister we're not going to bed hungry at home. Okay, I'm sorry that this story is so long and that it went a few different directions, but hopefully it was somewhat entertaining.
Thanks so much, and please keep up the great podcasting. Amber from Purvis, Mississippi. Okay, what do you say after that? I don't know. (laughs) I want to thank my buddy Shore for lending his beautiful voice, and Amber for her second criminal confession. That certainly was a wild one. Everything you want in this story. Cult leaders, chicken gizzards, moans of pleasure, sisters helping sisters, and hungry kids getting food in their little bellies. Ain't nothing wrong with that, no matter how you slice it. Excuse me, that's illegal at gmail.com. Shoot me an email to have your criminal confession played on the air. And Patreon. You guys have been killing it for me and I can't thank you enough. If you want to get your hands on some bonus content and just help your boy achieve his dream of becoming a full-time podcaster, then please consider signing up for this elite club. Patreon.com slash excuse me, that's illegal. There's a link in the show notes. Okay, we have 10 more folks to usher in to the neighborhood watch, so here goes. Aaron M, Pickles D, Brian R, Lisa H, Stacy T, Stinky Luck, Susan J, Serenity G, Gaz P, and Kazmak. Let's sound the air horns to make it official. Thank you, my friends. All right. Before we get out of here, I have a promo to play for you from one of my absolute favorite podcasts, True Crime Guys. Lauren and Michael have been keeping me entertained for over four years now. I'm telling you, every episode is magic, and they have over 140 of them. So what are you waiting for? Get your binge on, my friends. Michael's intros are the best in the business. Always original. He's super talented. And if you've ever listened to True Crime Garage, I'd say his intros rival those of the captain. That's right, I said it. I even listened to their promo five times. That's how much I love everything they do. So I'm going to step aside in a moment and let Lauren and Michael tell you all about their kick-ass podcast. As for myself, I'll meet you back here in another 10 days for more softcore shenanigans. Peace! Hello, I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. And we're, and we're True, True Crime, Crime Guys. What are you doing? Oh, I thought we were doing that thing where we said the same thing at the same time. Since when do we talk over each other? Uh, like every episode for the last four and a half years. Fair enough. We've also been known to add a little bit of levity and bring new perspectives on history's most infamous killers, such as Gacy, Ramirez, BTK, and many others, as well as a healthy dose of lesser-known cases, all while being the oldest true crime podcast you've never heard of. Not sure that's a good thing. Debatable. I'm in Las Vegas. And I'm in North Carolina. That doesn't stop us from getting together every week to discuss our favorite topic, Moida. I also use my background as a musician to make an original intro song for almost every episode. Like this one, about Jody Arias. Jody, Jody, bitch, you're the scariest. So if you like true crime, obviously you do if you're listening to this, and you don't mind a little bit of banter mixed in, give us a listen. Alibi's hilarious. Beat 
Serial killers would not be idolized in the making of this podcast. Although many of them have physical and mental trauma in their backgrounds that explain some of their erratic behavior, they are, generally speaking, mostly narcissistic scumbags. We prefer to spend the majority of the time discussing how pathetic they are. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.